Welcome back to Match of the Year Podcast. I'm Chris Garcia, your host. And today we're looking at what the RSPW community, the Rexport Pro Wrestling News Group, classic of Usenet, <coughs> what they named their 2016 Match of the Year. And that was Revival Dash and Dawson versus DIY. Two out of three falls. I believe it was in November at their TakeOver event. And I'm going to use it sort of as a way to talk about tag team wrestling. Now, in recent years, tag teams haven't been main eventers. It's very rare that a tag match ends up as a main event, unless it's single stars working a tag event to bring together a storyline, usually. Uh, A great example of that would be something like in the 1990s when you had uh, Savage and Mr. Perfect teaming together to take on, was it Psycho Sid and uh, Ric Flair, or... You can can think of a lot of these. Uh, All Japan was famous for them, doing a six-man, typically, uh, to further singles bits. But it hasn't really been that way in the U.S. in particular for a long time. A little bit you see nowadays coming from PWG and even from NXT. There was a time when tag team wrestling was novel, this is in the nineteen, the teens, the twenties, the thirties, when it was called Australian tag team wrestling. Often, and then there was a period in the seventies and eighties where you had tag team wrestling as the headlining of various shows. The AWA, uh, roughly half the shows of the, particularly the late seventies and early eighties, were headlined by tag teams like the Road Warriors, like the High Flyers. You also had that very, very prominent in Mid-South with the fabulous Freebirds. You had that in the NWA with the Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight Express, uh, during the 1980s. So that sort of went away. And now we're sort of seeing this peak back a little bit, particularly in NXT. Now, the two teams here are phenomenal. They are two of the best tag teams in the world Dash and Dawson, uh, Dash Wilder and something Dawson, I can never remember his first name, uh, are an amazing team. The, the revival as a team concept is great, and it's a harking back to that sort of classic mid to late 80s NWA tag team concept that was really personified by the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. Arn and Ole Anderson. Later, and that probably the one that's closer related, is the Four Horsemen team of Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson. And they work a whole lot like Anderson and Blanchard. But with the sort of the body targeting concepts that the Minnesota Wrecking Crew was famous for. So you've got that as sort of your starting point. DIY is a very interesting idea that has evolved. And this is something I think that has proven NXT's sort of goal is that it wasn't a team that was packaged as a force at first. They became a team who 
became widely loved, and they're so great together. Johnny Gargano, of course, famous from PWG, but where I'll always remember him is a part of Team Fist, friends in similar tights, uh, in Chikara Pro. And of course, there's uh, Tommaso Ciampa, who is arguably... He was called the Psycho Killer for years and years on the indie scene. And honestly, I'd only seen him once or twice before he came to NXT. I'd seen him, I think, in a match in PWG was the first time. He is a phenomenal worker in a way that very few other American workers are. And I can't think of one off the top of my head. He is... He is both something of a flyer, but he is a step down in that he also uses his, particularly his knee strikes, uh, or as I call it, Triple H disease. But he's very impact-focused. And in a lot of ways, he reminds me of Brian Pillman, except for with, I don't want to say a martial arts background, but if Brian Pillman were to come up today, I could see him working like this. And I always say that Pillman was sort of a step removed from Benoit and Liger and all those other flyers, uh, Tuchel Scorpio, in that he wasn't as spectacular, but he was working in that mode. So when you team him with someone who is straight up just a magnificent flyer, and he's not, he's not Rey Mysterio, he's not a luchador flyer, he is a... American agility-based wrestler and doing brilliantly at it. When the two teams came together, they worked a match that the only way I can really really put it succinctly is they worked a match that understood how you do both a two out of three and a feud match. And it flows incredibly well. In particular, when you watch the transitions that the revival does. And of course there's the famous they cut the ring off in half, a classic 1980s marker. But when Gargano and Ciampa break free of that, when they get their their heat segments, they make the absolute most of it. And the face in peril work that Gargano can do is amazing. The face imperiled work that Ciampa does is stupid good. And at once, I'm really heartbroken that they broke them up uh, with the recent takeover, losing to the Authors of Pain, which I get why they... I get why they both broke them up, because right now Ciampa is a perfect heel, heel moment, and if he can turn that into a run at Bobby Roode, yeah, I'm all for it. Johnny Gargano has nothing but upside. And in particular, if he ends up in the mix in 205 Live, that could help elevate it a bit, but I really see it coming down to being a a move to separate them that hurts a tag team division to a degree, one that I don't see as, as impressive as it was a year ago because they've lost American Alpha. They've lost... I think the Revival have officially left. I've lost track. I don't know what they're doing now. 
sadly, the authors of Pain, they're not great workers. They have that sort of look that is actually kind of cool. Uh, the pudgy mean guys. Uh, and what's great about them is that they, they keep up, but they don't really elevate anyone. Whereas Champa and Dash and Wilder and absolutely Gargano elevate everyone they're in with. But we don't see that as much anymore. In the tag team division, at least, in NXT. Now that we've lost Ciampa and Gargano. But who knows what's next. They have, as far as I can tell, everyone on Earth signed to NXT who isn't the Young Bucks. So, we'll have to see. So, that is the return episode of Match of the Year Podcast. I'll have some more coming up. Uh, Hopefully going to do one on... The meteoric rise of Tyler Bates and Pete Dunne. And we're going to look at the not only the British tournament, which was one of the best shows of the year as far as I'm concerned. We're also going to look at their great match from TakeOver, as well as the British special. So we're going to look at a lot of different things with those two guys. Uh, because I think really they are representing what the next step for... WWE is, and that is doing these targeted moments in various places. So stay tuned.